We are here at the Sweet Grass Market in Edinburgh in the third and final week of the Edinburgh Fringe. This, if the editing goes well, this is episode 50 of the oh. uh, Cast Iron Fit Podcast. We're wondering who we should get on for the 50th episode. <laughs> and as if by magic, our uh, we, we have an international listener, which <laughs> I, I, I think it's difficult to know which side is more excited by the fact that yes. we've we met. Um, Hello, and you want to say for the podcast um, who you are and what you are? Hello, I'm sure there are other international listeners that you have. <laughs> um, my name is Brian Rust. I'm from Boston. I'm a writer and actor there. And we first met, um, metaphorically at least, um, online when you submitted uh, work to uh, Cast Iron Short Play Night. That's right. And Because um, uh, initially, at least, um, the Cast Iron Short Play Night is heralded as being for local writers. Uh, we sometimes <laughs> massage that rule, and we certainly did for Brian uh, last year, or the year before, with uh, your piece. Um, uh, and you're now in Edinburgh, you're, 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 and we, we knew about this, we knew that you were coming. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that you were going to come and see the, the plates, and quite elegantly, you, you didn't actually warn us on what the performance <laughs> you were going to come, so it was a genuine lovely surprise when you, because uh, you'd been to see both today. Indeed. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to see both back to back, or as close as I could, yeah. because, well, for one thing, I still haven't gotten my bearings with Edinburgh. We so. haven't. Oh, that's reassuring. <laughs> All I know is that whenever I go outside, the silent disco is there. Yes. So it's like having 50 really colorful dancing stalkers Absolutely. every time you go out. And for a silent disco, they're really not, are they? <laughs> no, they clap. There's some music, a lot of stomping. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating to watch. It's like one of those nature documentaries where you see the colorful flock of flamingos <laughs> moving down the... Uh, you were chatting about stuff that you've already seen at the Fringe and stuff you hope to see at the Fringe, and... To a certain degree, it may be informing your own work when you go back home. Uh, one of the things I do when I'm at the Fringe, this is my second year, is I just watch what works, what connects with an audience. Yeah, yeah. And I watch the performers, especially in these small spaces, there's nowhere to hide. Yeah. I was, I've been in two bunkers in two days, <laughs> like literal bunkers that are um, everyone dripping sweat, but they're delighted yes, to be there. Yeah. But the connections are so real when the cast, is, the audience is only like a foot away from the screaming blood-covered um, actor, and the, there's only one person on stage. Yes, so that can be. Uh, and is that similar to the work you're working on at the moment? Less blood <laughs> with my work, yeah. but I'm. What I'm trying to do right now is a radio play that's gone wrong. It's sort yeah. of, I've been inspired by The Room and also Plan 9 from Outer Space and I'm trying to like, <laughs> just make it as intentionally bad as possible, yeah. which will involve a lot of audience interaction. Yeah. And hopefully it will be the audience feeling that they have come in to save the production. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I once saw a musical version of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Uh, which is, as you'd hope it would be, like an um, almost as good version of Rocky Horror. <laughs> um, so uh, the plot that it always feels essentially uh, like the that episode of Frasier, mm. where they're having to make it up on the hoof as it goes deeper into the episode. Right, right, and that sense of panic, that mm. real sense of danger, is it's an adrenaline rush for yeah. everyone in the room yeah. and I, I'd love it if I could create that fantastic and have you found stuff so far that is 
close to that DNA or have you just found stuff that you've enjoyed anyway? Well, Lights Over Tesco Car Park um, has the audience choose which direction the play goes. Yeah. And they also, the audience doesn't know when they choose that they're then brought up on stage to further the plot themselves. I, yeah. And at the end, most of the audience was down on the stage dancing with each other. <laughs> and for 10 o'clock in the morning, that is very fun and disorienting. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. Um, that's a, a big ask, maybe, of some people who haven't quite had their coffee yet. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, what else have you seen that you've enjoyed? Um, well, I mean, I have to pat you on the one woman <laughs> alien, of course, is... I'm talking about an audience interaction yeah. and completely getting everyone on board. Yeah. Um, there were special effects that if the audience hadn't been as together, the, the milk and the flour yeah. could have put certain audience members off, but instead they loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I know that I really enjoyed um, Passionate Machine at a zoo venues, oh. which is a time traveling. Uh, and also, I didn't really know until quite recently that the actor writer is herself a Brighton resident. Uh, and so that's quite, quite sort of lovely that she's um, uh, part of the story is in our hometown. So, and because it's all about time folding on itself, but that was quite a, a nice engaging thing. Uh, what else are you looking forward to before you get to go home? Oh, um, right now. I'm at the point where I've seen most everything I'd planned to, and yeah. one of the fun things about the Fringe is that I can walk down the Royal Mile and have 25 very convincing people <laughs> come They up. are convincing, aren't they? they? They are so sincere, and I, I just want to help each yeah. and every one of them. I just want to give them big hugs and go see their shows. Yeah. So I've left my week pretty much empty so that I can let myself be convinced to go see surprising things. So anybody at the um, third week, any performer at the third week of the Fringe who's feeling that it's not really worth anymore <laughs> and that the last bit of flies can stay in the box and that all the work has been done, there's certainly one person they could convince <laughs> who's actually chosen to go down the Royal Mile who's waiting to be persuaded for a show. Yes, I am on your side. Fantastic. And indeed, you always have been. You've been um, you have uh, been such an engaging listener um, of the Cast Iron podcast. Uh, we, we feel like we should have Brian t-shirts. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's, been, it's been lovely to sort of um, know that having somebody in Boston listening to us and my somewhat incoherent and muffled <laughs> mumblings about <laughs> theatre uh, across the world. So, uh, Brian, thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. You do fantastic work. You have a love for theatre and you're encouraging it both in Brighton and here in a lot of ways. Um, you're a treasure. <laughs> We're going to put that on the poster. <laughs> it's the last week of the fridge. We're quite emotional. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Brian. You're very welcome. We are here at the Sweet Grass Market at the Apex Hotel, or appropriately named the Grass Market in Edinburgh. And uh, hello, who am I talking with? My name is Shayla Batchelder. And Julie Mersick. And uh, I'm essentially talking to two different but connected companies is that right yes yes we have a lot of hats yeah and sometimes literally uh, one of the hats that we're wearing is emblazoned with the logo of the Pittsburgh Fringe um, so for those of us who might have been in Pittsburgh what's the Pittsburgh Fringe like 
It is still a very small, young yeah. festival. It's only, it just had its fifth anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary. Yeah, and it's really small. It's about 25, 30 shows, yeah. um, about 70 performances of those over two and a half days. That, well, that's, um, I'm terrible at maths, but that's, pretty, that's a pretty good, dense Yes, it is. each day it's pretty dense still. Yeah, yeah. And is a, a particular vibe or theme to the shows that are put on, or is it... It is uncurated, yeah. so we literally draw names out of a hat, usually around Christmas time, so I use yeah. a Santa hat um, to be thematic. Um, yeah, so everyone's welcome to apply, and we draw out of a hat, so it's completely uncurated. It's a, a lot of the U.S. and Canadian fringes yeah. do the hat draw, lottery draw to select them. Since we run the venues, we can only do so much, so to keep it to a certain size, as many of the Canadian and U.S. fringes do, we draw out of a hat, so we're still unbiased in is our it, selection. Is it an international fringe, or is it a U.S.-centric We've fringe? had, it's been mostly U.S. Yeah. still, because we're small, and all of the U.S. fringes have trouble with visa-type issues course, yeah. and bringing people in. Yeah. We could pull that thread, but I've got good to do just at that moment. It's going to be a 15-minute conversation. <laughs> We'll just leave that there. Oh, I'm so tempted. No, um, and so, um, why did the Pittsburgh Fringe need to happen? At the period of time when it didn't happen, what was the thought process behind making it happen? Well, there was two founders, me and Dan yeah. Steiker, and I was interested in starting one because I was moving from Philadelphia and knew there there was no fringe in Pittsburgh, and I did not want to live somewhere where there was no fringe. So you created it. Well, so I um, did some research and found that a man named Dan was trying to start one. So we met up and we founded it before I even moved to Pittsburgh. We got that started and off the ground. Yeah. And for you yourself, uh, do you have a particular thrust in your creativity? Are you a writer, director, dancer? Juggler? I am actually more of an academic, okay. but I fringe is what I study. Yeah. So I um, actually, I've been doing Edinburgh for 24 years. Yeah. This is my 24th fringe. I ran a venue, uh, various venues here. This act building was actually, I was the first one to run the Apex. I see. Hotel when it opened, um, and run various venues around here under the name Rocket Venues. Oh yes, I, I've been to a few Rocket Venue shows in the in the years. There we go. Wow. So yeah, so we stopped in 2008 because the building, the Roxy Art House, yes. was sold, and the new people charged some outrageous sum, which was over our budget for everything for just the rental sure. of the building, yeah. Yeah. and we knew that wasn't financially viable. So. Um, and I've had this idea to start something more educational. A lot of my staff had been educational and because I'd been going through master's and doctorate, um, I've always been surrounded by students and teaching. And so I thought that the Edinburgh Fringe was a great educational opportunity and I saw the whole Edinburgh Fringe as a classroom. Yeah. And so I had this idea for Fringe University. And so yes. without the venues, I decided to pursue that project. So uh, what then is you largely sort of covered it, but sort of expand that thought. What is Fringe University? So, it is, alright, so first of all we see the entire Edinburgh Fringe as a classroom, or fringes in general, we're not, we love Edinburgh, but yeah. um, we are actually thinking about trying to use some other fringes as classrooms. 
but we know that as a professor myself and having worked with other professors, we know how intimidating it is to come here to Edinburgh with 3,500 other shows. Um, and so even just the logistics of getting housing for studi students is terrifying. Um, and because I had so much experience and years here and knew a lot of people and been working and networking with people, um, I saw Fringe University as the chance to help university professors come here. So we help do all their logistics for them. We help them think through what class it can be. It doesn't have to be just a theater class or an arts administration, though those are the most heavily used classes that come here. Um, but we've been talking just last week about someone who might want to do a science class here or a mental health class here because there's 3,500 shows about every topic under the sun. And, and you're also in Edinburgh that has amazing museums and all these different contacts and universities. So everything is here in Edinburgh in August at the same time to create these amazing classes. So it's like using the entire city of the campus. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's bring you into that. Um, in what's your uh, involvement with that? And Sure, so I actually um, first came here in uh, 2013 as a student yeah. participating in Fringe University um, back when I was uh, studying uh, arts admin at Drexel University in Philly. So um, last summer I uh, had a gap between gigs. Um, I'm based out of LA now, um, so I contacted Shayla and see if she needed um, an assistant, some help uh, running Fringe University, and she said, yeah. So uh, I came last year uh, to help um, as part of the uh, staff, and uh, absolutely wanted to come back this year and uh, do the same thing. So you are at a point where you have benefited from Fringe University before, and now you're putting something back. But what are the years after you? What their response to the Fringe University? What do they get out of it? Um, I think it definitely varies with uh, each student, of course. Um, this year, the students we brought are uh, performance students. They're um, studying acting, so um, they got to perform a show here without um, worrying about any of the marketing and sort of logistics and things. We took care of all that for them, basically kind of produced the show, so they just were able to show up, um, perform, and uh, go about and see other shows so I think a lot of them really got um, inspired creatively and then last year we had students um, that were uh, a lot of them were studying arts management so um, they got some really great internship opportunities uh, through our contacts with the um, UK production company so a lot of them got out of it these relationships with um, these international uh, touring acts yeah. that they you know can put that on their resume that they worked for um, you know that person and this person um, and they're only uh, going into their sophomore year of university so it's a great um, sort of preliminary resume for them because the Edinburgh Fringe or indeed many major fringes or young fringes can be an exhausting sometimes um, almost depressing experience if you're sort of um, as you said, 3,500 shows, it's so easy for one person's show to go the entire three weeks and not be noticed. So I'm guessing that Fringe University is an opportunity to 
be a lifeboat for people and sort of find to get something else out of their fringe rather than just the production of their show. Absolutely, yes. It, we see it as educational. So not only were they producing, uh, performing in a show and getting that experience, they were meeting with artists, um, seeing the show first, and then talking with the artists afterwards. So we facilitated a lot of um, guest speakers in that way. Which will be actually a really valuable thing in any university campus that can be quite difficult to arrange the time. Now that you've got all these people in the same city. Yeah, we can city. do one almost every day or yeah. two a day because they're all here. So yeah. many amazing people are here in one place. And arguably for some um, artists or uh, organizations, that would normally cost $400, $500. Um, so here it's now uh, much more accessible. Um, I'm going to throw another unfair question at you. you, you as an academic, you were saying that your your thing, your subject, is fringe. Uh, um, so here's the unfair question: What does one need to do to successfully curate or survive a fringe? What should a fringe have? So what? If someone's building a fringe, or what I'm, should I'm, someone at a fringe do? I'm being so unfair that I'm trying to ask two questions at the same time. <laughs> you can choose to ignore either one, or... I mean, so we just came off World Fringe Congress, so about 60 or 70 delegates from all around the world, people who run fringes around the world, we just met with them for four or five days, yeah. and that was an amazing experience, and we were talking about what makes a fringe, and um, how do you do a successful one, and just talking about our issues and problems, and trying to help each other solve problems. So we just talked a lot about that kind of stuff. Um, and, and performers are always wondering how to survive the fringe. And I'm, I'm acutely aware there's actually no good answer to this because if we knew, then everyone it, would be surviving, exactly, yeah, right? They yeah. wouldn't be struggling. And, yeah. and we're going doing week three now, so this yeah. is really when people are starting to get sick and yeah. tired, and the flyers are getting more cranky and mean, <laughs> um, and the people I, receiving the flyers are being more nasty about things. I'm astonished by how many people are leaving today. <laughs> Particularly when they left yesterday, <laughs> the day before, or they've already got something booked. Um, uh, here's a question for for you both: uh, If you've had the time, or you're going to, is there anything that you've seen at the fringe so far that you particularly enjoyed, or even something that was flawed that you didn't particularly like, but you enjoyed something about it? Or what what has been your experience of the fringe this year? Um, I'll say the most unique show I've seen this year. Um, was called Wiredo, um, and it was a woman who was doing a tightrope walking, but also um, using, uh, there's this ancient Japanese art of like knot tying with ropes, and she sort of incorporated the two, and um, there was no storyline, but it was just so unique because I had never, um, I didn't even know about the art of knot tying, um, yeah. tied to Japanese culture in any way, and uh, yeah, visually it was just super striking. She was incredibly talented at what she did, um, and uh, yeah, there's no way I would have ever seen anything no. like that anywhere else in the world, um, and I went for free because it was, you know, beginning of Fringe, and um, the people flyering were uh, giving out comp tickets, so 
that, that was something. Yeah, I know. It was it was great. I'm hoping that she tied her own tightrope with a knot before walk on it, but that didn't happen. So the the tightrope was actually already um, established, yeah. but she fashioned these. When she was tying the knots, she almost made it into like a performance art piece, yeah. the way she was tying the knots, and then they sort of also became her harness, and she hung from the, the wire, but then was also walking on it, jumping on it, and doing all these incredible tightrope walking things as well. So that becomes the story in itself, doesn't yeah, it? it really because does. um, arguably if somebody has learned their lines and rehearsed their lines, however good an act they are, you are seeing the process the end result of a rehearsal uh, whereas to see the thing being created in front of you is a very much more visceral experience yeah it was how about yourself is there being stuff that I, you may not want to be favorites I know uh, with my Pittsburgh fringe hat on go on, go, on. Please, go ahead but I do in what I actually think is interesting is I don't get chance to see my shows no. because I'm running the festival and I get to see a bunch of them here um, so several of them come to Edinburgh later, and so I, I've gotten to see them here. Um, there's a few still on our list to, to see, um, that, including our Best Show winner um, of the Pittsburgh Fringe this year, which um, the Selkie Award winner, which was Falkland. Um, just ran into him actually before coming over to speak to you. So yeah, I have still have a huge list, so I, I'm scared to pick favorites right now. But uh, of course, anyone who performed at the Pittsburgh Fringe is uh, is thumbs up in our book. That's right. Oh, excellent. <laughs> so it's been uh, fantastic to speak to you. Um, and let's because um, by the time this podcast goes up, it might be that we're so close to the end of the Fringe that it might be futile to push listeners to particular shows. But what I will ask you is um, how we can find you either via the Fringe or through Fringe University. Uh, will we just type those into the into Right, the they're both very easy. Pittsburgh Fringe, you just Google it, or PittsburghFringe.com, or FringeUniversity.com, or info at FringeUniversity.com, or info at PittsburghFringe.com. So both are very simple to find. And we sort of, there'll be like a, an entry form that we sort of pitch to you about our show, and how does that work? You just apply. The applications open in October and end in early December, and then... If the hat likes you, you're in. Santa hat, and then yeah, yeah. fantastic. It's like the it's like the sorting hat in Hogwarts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to bring it all sort of everywhere. And I will say though, we do have um, a local, a national, international hat, and the international hat is fairly empty. So if international people wanted to come, uh, that would fantastic. if they could figure that out, we would be welcome. And there's. You say 25 shows or 25 venues? 25 shows. 25 shows. So yeah, very there. small. Yeah. Um, and similarly with the Fringe University, we can sort of like um, type that into the Google. Other search engines are available. Absolutely, yeah. And what we want to do is have a conversation with any professor who's thinking about it. Also, even a student, because we're starting to put together a program where students, if their whole school doesn't want to go, can come individually and join other individual students and make a class that way. Because I know it's hard to get 10 students yeah. together sometimes. Well, thank you so much for your time and have a great rest of Fringe. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. 
This has been the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. Presented by Andrew Allen. And edited by Michelle Donkin. Music is Chapstick by Everett Armand. Find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and our website, castironbrighton.weebly.com. Subscribe to us and rate us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for listening. 